0: What does heaven look like? I bet somebody's asked you that question. I bet you've asked that question before. What does heaven look like? What is heaven like? What will heaven be like? When somebody asks me that question, I'm usually more interested in hearing what they think heaven will be like. And I think if you read all of Scripture, if you read the whole Bible from beginning to end... I think you'd notice that over and over again, when, when God's people name what heaven is like, what, what that place of God's complete reign is like, what you'll see is that it depends on whom you ask. That if you're asking a people who have been oppressed, it sounds like heaven is the place where you're set free from oppression. If you ask someone who is hungry, who is not sure where their next meal will come from. If you ask them what God's reign looks like, it looks like bountiful food to no end. If you've lived in a desert place, it looks like pools of water and so on and so on. Often we think of heaven and we associate it with the book of Revelation, that beautifully mystical and mysterious description of what God's reign is like with all those strange images that seem to represent something if you know what they represent and sometimes I don't think we always know what they represent. But one of my favorite descriptions of what heaven is like is what Jesus says in this gospel lesson. This begins his sermon on the mount. The crowds have begun to take notice of him and he's just starting his ministry. He's only just begun to call disciples to come and follow him. And when he sees the crowd, Jesus seizes that moment and he calls his disciples to himself and he begins to say to those who are following him, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed. The word blessed is a word sometimes we throw out without really thinking about what it means. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed. Kind of makes me cringe a little bit when I hear that. It depends. it depends on what that person means. Does that person mean God has surrounded me with gifts far greater than I deserve and I'm grateful for that? Or does that person mean, well, look at me, can't you tell? I'm blessed. It depends on the attitude behind that. But when we use that word blessed, We're naming the one that God favors, the one God is smiling upon. In the context of Jesus' day, it was often used in the Greek mythological way to imply that the gods, you know, the the Greek and Roman gods, that the gods, they were the blessed ones because they didn't have any cares, they didn't have any troubles. They didn't have to worry about where their food would would, uh, come from. They didn't have to worry about doing any work. They were blessed in that way. And so that word blessed in the context that Jesus had in mind, kind of implies a sense of completeness, of a finishedness. And so because of that, Jesus is asking us to see something that's really hard to see. He's asking us not only to imagine something, but he's asking us to believe something that's really hard to believe. Maybe even harder to believe that, that when we die, we will go to that place that we call heaven. What Jesus is asking his followers to see and to believe is that when God looks upon the world, God's blessing, God's smile, God's love belongs not to people like me who have a job and a paycheck and a house who just ate a wonderful dinner. And if I'm still hungry when I get home, which I won't be hungry when I get home, I could eat a whole other dinner if I wanted to. And another one after that. God wants us to see, Jesus wants us to see That when God smiles upon us, that he's not smiling upon those who have no cares in this world. Instead, God is smiling, God is blessing, God is present with, God is fulfilling God's promises in the opposite. The one who's hungry, the one who's thirsty, the one who's in pain or in mourning, the one who's humble and meek. That's a hard thing for us to see, maybe even impossible for us to see. What I take hope in, in this lesson, is that when Jesus describes what the kingdom of God is like, what heaven is like, Jesus doesn't tell his disciples to do anything about it or at least to to pursue it in any way. There are actually two imperatives, right, command words, right? There are two imperatives, but they come at the very end. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the poor in spirit, so go out there and be poor in spirit. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the mournful, so go out there and be sad. That's not what he says. This is not an instruction, it's a description. The instruction comes in next week's gospel lesson, so hang in there. It'll come next week. But before we get to the instruction, Jesus invites us to trust something that's hard to trust, to believe something that's hard to believe, that in God's reign, in God's kingdom, in God's heaven, The ones who are complete and finished and blessed and loved are the ones who the world would think have it hardest in this life. Because that's where God is to be found. Those are the ones whom God comes beside to journey with in their struggle. If you want to see where God is at work, that's where we look. There are consequences to that. Consequences to living like that, consequences to seeing that like that. Because if you believe that God's smiling upon those who are struggling in this world, that begins to change the way we live in this life. Not only how we look at those other people, but how we look at our own life. The two imperatives that Jesus uses in this long list of descriptors come at the very end. You might have heard Jesus change the way he spoke. He had said, blessed are they, blessed are those, blessed are they. But at the end, he says, "What? blessed are you. That's a different instruction. That's a different description. Blessed are you. These are the people who are blessed in God's reign. But let's talk about us for a minute. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter evil against you falsely on my account. And what should we do then? The two imperatives, rejoice. And be glad, for so they persecuted the prophets who came before you. We cannot believe that God is smiling upon those who are struggling in this life and not begin to talk about where God is to be found in ways that cost us something. That if we see what Jesus is inviting us to see, if we can believe Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If we believe that, our actions and the lives we live will begin to get under the skin of those who enjoy the comforts of this life. People will begin to turn against us and revile us and say that we're crazy for how we're acting, that we're ridiculous for what we're teaching, that we're part of a church that has lost its mind. Blessed are you. When people revile you, speak evil of you, persecute you on my account, what should you do? Rejoice and be glad. For so it was with the prophets who came before you. Lean into Jesus' ridiculous and remarkable description of how God's reign is to be found in this world. Lean into it so fully that the world might begin to push back. Then we found God's reign. I need some help with the prayers.